Hello everyone and welcome to the Pentecostal Pen Podcast and this is again a podcast to help our audience, our listeners reach out, make disciples for the cause of Jesus Christ and I have the privilege of doing an interview today with Brother DJ Hill. He is the evangelist and pastor for the Atlanta West Pentecostal Church under Barbero Johns and he also graduated and will be graduating tomorrow I guess. Master of Theological Studies at Urson Graduate School of Theology, my fellow UJSD colleague. Yeah. And uh, I'm so glad that he is here, willingness to be interviewed and share with us some ins- insights about evangelism and discipleship, especially in reaching Gen Z, which is the generation that we are trying to reach today. Thank you, Brother DJ Hill, for uh, joining us today. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, Brother Raymar. It's a, it's my honor. Uh, Pentecostal Pen is very notable, and I appreciate the ministry you're doing to help influence hyphen age people, but as well as people in the Atlantic District. Um, you know, we're in this together. Uh, I'm not an expert at anything, but anything that I could say that I've learned from others or reading uh, that I can help, I'm excited to be a part. And I appreciate you doing the work and diligence uh, to create venues like this for people to get content to be better as disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we'll start up with this interview about just you telling us the story of your conversion, your calling, and that, that line. Yeah, so it's very unique. At, uh, I, was, I was raised in church. My, my parents met when my dad was stationed in Germany, and they got in church together. And then um, two months before I was born, they moved here to America, military, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, then Fort uh, Bragg, Maryland, and now uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. So Columbus, Georgia. So I'm a Georgia boy. And uh, we was in church, I was about 10. And then some family uh, situations happened. My grandfather and grandmother died on my mom's side and kind of shook the family and uh, a few other things happened. And so we really stopped going to church and my my parents became separated and life changed drastically. It was no longer we went to church every week. It was it was your choice. If you wanted to go, you go. If you didn't, you didn't. And um, so there was it was wide open. And so from 10 to 16, I wasn't in church. Uh, I ran from God uh, for a season. I didn't believe God because of different pain and hurt from family and different things that I witnessed and uh, went through. So I was real broken. Um, And so I I decided to go to camp one year. I really wanted to just play basketball and maybe just talk to girls. And I went to camp and brother Luke Levine preached that camp. And that uh, first service preaching on repentance, I went to the altar and I cried so long. I, I just broke before God. I gave him all the pain, all the hurt, all the frustrations, gave him all the mistakes. Um, and though I was baptized as a kid, that's when I say, you know, I really got into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I was born again as a kid, but my life uh, was not given to God uh, wholeheartedly. And so that was really my conversion at the age of 16. And then also the, the calling happened at the same camp later that week. Uh, Brother Luke Levine preached on David and the anointing and how even though his family was uh, didn't view him as a hero or anything, that he was just a shepherd boy. Um, and even, you know, with a giant in the valley and all these things, he told the story of David, that David went on to change the world because of the anointing. And so he yeah. told us to get hungry for the anointing, seek after the anointing, get a hold of the anointing. And so I did. Um, and my life was forever changed. And I, I said, you know, I want to help people. I want to get involved in ministry. And that night I prayed. Um, for over two hours in this vision, my first vision ever from God came to me. And I pray these words daily now. Oh, how I long for the day that I die to my identity and my identity is found in God's love shown through the cross. 
that day I decided I want to die to who I am and I want to help be a part of reaching people and loving people that are broken from all walks of life and help them understand the same thing I understood that week, that God loves me so much that he came and died for my sins and that I can have a relationship with him. And so from that day on, I really dedicated my life to him. And then a couple of years later at uh, Camp Gateway College of Evangelism was giving out a free shirt if you fill out information. So I did because I wanted something free. And they kept sending me the information about Preview Weekend. So it really started off as a joke, but through people sponsoring me, I went to Preview Weekend and Paul Pamer preached, it's time to move. And my life was forever changed and I decided to go to Bible college. First time hearing of Bible college, didn't really know what it was, but I went not having an idea. And it was at Gateway College of Evangelism, which eventually turned to Urshan. I graduated in 2015 that I received a call of God to preach. Um, and that call of preaching is more than just pulpit, but it's even more so that I, I realize that I am called to make disciples, to teach Bible studies, to influence people, to sit with people. And like what Brother Gleason says, turn sinners into friends and friends into disciples. And so that's really my conversion. I came from a, a Pentecostal background and then everything was shattered from different things. And then when I, when I decided to come back to God, I was also felt the call of God to go and help bring others from that same walk of life of sin and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. Wow, it's a wonderful, wonderful story of conversion and calling. And I, I appreciate the uh, differences, the various stories that we all have that we can share. And we're going to go back to that stories of testimonies and things about this uh, evangelism method. But I wanted you to tell me about, to tell us about Gen Said. What is Gen Said? There, people are probably starting hearing this different mm-hmm. generation. What, what's different? What should we what should we know about this generation? Yeah, well, Gen Z is awesome. They're the ones that were born between 1995 through 2010. And their main distinction is that they were born into a digital world. See, I'm 28, so I remember I didn't have a cell phone growing up. We had the cord phones. I remember AOL dial-up, that annoying, <laughs> that annoying right. sound. And you thought it was so fast, but it really took like 30 minutes to do anything. And then when cell phones came out, they weren't touchscreen. It was just a bunch of buttons, and it was so big and indestructible. And that generation, this generation doesn't have that. Millennials, my age group and any age group above, we had a video game system, a computer, a TV, a phone, and even a tape measure. But nowadays, Gen Z, all that's in their pocket. Every, everything that we had on different consoles, different devices, and now is all in one. Even like Stud Finders is on a phone. It's incredible. It's crazy. So uh, that's really a distinction of theirs. And that has led to a fear of missing out since they always have their phone and they're always connected to what's going on in the world through social media and constant notifications. They have this thing called FOMO and it's now in the dictionary that they have a fear of missing out. And so they always are wanting to be involved in something. And they see the world very differently than you or I or any other generation above us because they've been constantly bombarded with news with what's going on in the world. If you think back just 10 years ago, something would happen in Europe or Africa or even Asia, and we wouldn't know about it for at least a day or two, even longer maybe. But nowadays, an explosion can happen in Turkey. And within 30 minutes, that video is viral. And everybody that has a cell phone is starting to get pings and notifications. And it's on social media about this disaster in Turkey. And so they're constantly bombarded with information, with news and what's going on. And then because of that, they also see the things that are wrong in the world. They see the social injustices. They see the systems that are wrong. They see all this bad stuff. And so they are motivated by the thought that they 
can make a difference. That's their main motivation. I want to make a difference. That's why they're so involved in all humanitarian efforts. And Mm -hmm. no matter what the cause, they're there. Save the whales. Get rid of straws at Starbucks. They want to be involved in making a difference. And though Gen Z doesn't always approach it right, they're young. I was once young. You were once young. You know, they truly believe that we can live in a better world and social issues and economy and politics and equality. So they have these very unique factors. And so that's really the distinction of Gen Z is that they're so very unique because they are the first generation of an all digital world. They didn't know what it was like before cell phones. And so that's all they know is news, 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 media, media, media. Yeah, I remember one, one, uh, I, I think one preacher mentioned this, that uh, in, in this generation, the babies were born with a phone in their hand. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and it's always screen time. And I saw some of my, some of my friends too with, uh, with kids now, they, their kids are always sometimes on a screen. And, you know, it's, uh, there's, I know there's an advantage and there are some disadvantages. But before we talk about the hindrances, I would like to ask you, do you think, uh, and if you do, could you tell us some advantages of this generation when it comes to evangelism? You, you have mentioned about the digital world. Is it an advantage to the church or is it a disadvantage to the church? I think it can be an advantage if used properly, but it also can be a disadvantage. It's an advantage because it's a great way to have a digital footprint is what I like to say of all these people, even from high school. I did a Bible study at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church on essentials, the new birth salvation, the need for salvation. And I reposted it from the Atlanta West page, my personal page. And some guy I haven't talked to uh, nine years, nine years. He, he texted me uh, through Facebook and said, Hey, you know, what you said really, really uh, resonated with me. Can, can we talk? So I got get sent in my phone number and we talked for two hours and about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't live in Columbus anymore. And so it, without Facebook, without me being still connected to all these people digitally, I want to have a chance to reach him. He wouldn't still be able to, to look to me. And so some of my friends from high school, you know, they thank God have come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ because they saw the differences in my life that happened through Facebook. Things that I post are different. Pictures I take are different. And so that's beautiful is you really can see your testimony advance through social media. So that's a huge advantage is that we can stay connected. The disadvantage is if we uh, believe the lie that that is the ultimate goal is to just be on Facebook and social media because uh, really, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's the face-to-face interaction that Gen Z really is desiring. So it can be used as an advantage for widespread massive seed throwing, which, you know, is a part of farming. But at the same time, there is a disadvantage in that. Right. Thank you. Talking about the uh, advantage of this digital world, Facebook, I remember my grandmother when the first time the Facebook was famous in the Philippines growing up, probably I was high school student. The first things we do on Facebook are really games. I don't know if you tried yeah. the Farmville and the Candy Crush and all mm-hmm. those things. We spent hours playing those games. And I remember my, my grandmother, who is really godly and spiritual, she would always tell me that Facebook is of the devil. Mm. You should remove that from your computer, remove that from your computer. And now I moved here to Canada. I was talking to her 
probably two weeks or three weeks ago. And she was telling me that, uh, you know, we should do like because of the quarantine, we should do Bible studies with everybody in the house. She was the yeah. one who suggested that. We should yep. do Bible study on Facebook. So we did that. And we had a lot of uh, people joining families and friends. And actually on one of our things online, there there's a minister who was listening. And this minister messaged me after. And then now I'm doing Bible study with this minister who is believing in more than one God. And that's just a wonderful thing that, that, is awesome. that we, we can utilize the things in the world today. And I believe Paul will do the same. <laughs> oh, definitely. Paul well, Victor Jackson is a great example of that. You know, yeah. his, he posts great stories and great uh, principles from the word of God. And that's widespread. And people I saw uh, yesterday when I was flying up to St. Louis, um, a lady that was interacting with brother Victor Jackson on his post about submission uh, to your pastor. And then different people I'm connected to, or they're baptizing people, even during quarantine that builds faith and hope in me to keep doing it and keep spreading the word of God. So definitely it's, it's an advantage to stay connected and see all the good things that people are doing. Right. You have mentioned about the uh, differences, what's unique about this generation. Let's talk about reaching this generation. Now that we know that this is a digital world now that we know that they want face-to-face and uh, all these other things that are, that are unique in this generation, what do you think would be the hindrances or difficulties if I, as a minister, as a church person, as a child of God, wants to reach this generation? What do you think would be the challenges I could face? Right. Well, without making overgeneralizations, um, I want to preface it that way. Uh, there are a lot of specific patterns uh, to Gen Z. Every generation has a different pattern. And though everyone doesn't fit every side or every aspect of that pattern, there are things and insights that we can see. And I think the biggest about Gen Z is they want to know why. They want to know why. Why are things the way they are? They're not content with the older generation where because mom and dad said so or because your pastor preached it, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, they might even be doing it, but in reality, they're, they're always trying to think and figure out why, 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 why. And so um, they're not content with just following the crowd. That's because everybody else does it. That's what I'm supposed to do. It. That's, they always say that, that I want to be different. I don't want to just do it because everyone else is doing it. But oftentimes what I've learned is things that we run from or we're scared to be like, we often become because we're running from it rather than facing it. And so this generation, though they don't want to be like everyone else, they do have a crowd mentality to, to kind of herd together against injustices or things they don't understand. And if it's not explained to them, they really do get frustrated and they buck against it. They want to know why. And so that's really, really big. And they can make rash decisions emotionally without the experience because they're so young because they really want to know why. So in wanting to know why, they're extremely skeptical of things. They don't just take things at face value. They also don't believe that there's absolute truth. It's past post-modernity now. It's they don't believe it's absolute truth. What's right for me is right for me. What's right for you is right for you. It's my body. So you, you can't tell a woman what to do with her body. It's, it's my sexual orientation. It's my belief. It's my spirituality. You see all these words. It's, it's my truth. And so since there's no absolute truth, that's a huge hindrance because how can I tell them that this is, this is absolute truth and the pages and the words that's on these pages is going to get you to heaven and, and get you to escape hell and you get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ when they're like, well, that's cool. It's just an ancient book, but that, that's not true for me. I, you know, I'm going to live my life. And so we have to really get them to understand that there is an absolute truth. 
And the reason they kind of have that framework is because if it's online, it's true. They don't, they don't see if it's a reputable website, but as soon as a lot of people see stuff online, they automatically say, oh, that's true. They have so much at their fingertips because their phone is always with them, all this news and media outlets that they, they will go and research what we're saying. And they'll go as preachers now, not, not necessarily what other people are saying. They'll take that at face value. But as preachers, when we tell stories, when we preach sermons, they're going to go and Google, is that what that scripture says? Is this right? And so we, we must be careful of that. And Gen, Gen Z has really seen the wrong from previous generations, and they can easily count the church out from past mistakes because of different preachers that have messed up or churches who have taken advantage of um, things. They, Gen Z really does buck against the church because of past mistakes or wrongdoings of uh, previous generations, and we can't hide it from them. We can't just say, oh, nothing happened. We're just changing pastors or, you know, we didn't have racial division, um, maybe even recently, but in the 1900s. We can't say that because all it takes is a Google search and it will come up. So we have to confront it and really uh, answer their questions why. That's why it's really hard to reach this generation is because we have to get down and dirty into the details of why we do what we do. Thank you for the insights. Uh, I know that are some of the challenges and things we need we need to uh, consider in reaching the generation. But now we are going to talk about how could we overcome these unique challenges in reaching this generation. And I will I will break it to the things that you said, and we will hit each each one of the uh, unique situations or unique challenges that you have mentioned. But let's begin with the question: Why? You know, we we were taught. Uh, I could probably not speak for everybody, but me growing up as a third Pentecost, you know, generation, I was taught that, you know, it's, it's not for you to ask why, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if we, we teach this, you have to obey it, whether you understand it or not. And I know that there are things not everything in the scripture could be answered you know, the, the reasons why. And there are times that we just need to really obey and then we will understand later on. But there are things that we can understand. So right. I, I just want you to probably talk to a generation, probably an older generation, someone from a different generation, trying to reach this generation. How could they respond to this generation's uh, questions about why? Why should I do this? Why should I not do that? Well, really, I feel like the older generation, and me included, uh, the reason we can sometimes be fearful or concerned with the question why is because we think they're questioning the message or the mission. But the message and the mission never changes. The methods do. And so we must be able to get face-to-face with them and really talk through stuff, get them to understand why. So why do you have to be born again? It's not enough now to just say, oh, you got to be born again because they don't believe the Bible. We have to go all the way back and start from the beginning and discuss that Adam and Eve sinned and broke covenant with God. And so for the older generation that's above Gen Z, which is me up, my generation up, millennials down, um, what we really must do is is not be scared of it because they're not asking with uh, anger or disbelief. They really want to know. They're sincere. And so my biggest piece of advice there is, is literally just take them to the word of God and just go all the way down the line. Uh, don't just say, don't touch the oven. It's going to, you know, don't touch the oven because I said so. But instead, take them to the oven, take a piece of paper and put it there and let it, let them see it catch on fire and let them feel that heat. And they will understand, okay, 
that's bad. I shouldn't touch that. And they will understand it. And then once they understand it, they're going to run with it and no one can change their mind. That Gen Z is so stubborn in that way, which is great if you get them on the right track. So instead of just saying, because I said so, take them through the motions of understanding why and the backstory. And I think that's really important. Well, you also mentioned about how this generation values relationship being uh, enriching them in such a way that we reach down to their soul, to their spirit, their hearts. And uh, we, we, we love relationships and, uh, as a Pentecostal too, growing up in a church, this is my orientation. I would tell you, I'm not speaking for everybody, but this is my orientation. Whenever I do Bible studies and whenever I teach, I love, you know, outline a, a, B, C, this is the doctrine. You have to repent. You have to be baptized. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. And that's important. I'm not saying that that's not important. We are not mm-hmm. changing the message. But we are so adamant about the truth. You now we, we love presuppositions. We love all of these things, objective you know, lessons. But you also have mentioned about how they value relationships. So if I'm reaching to a Gen Z person, how could I present the word of God in such a way that it's not just knowledge based, but I'm emphasizing relationship and I could reach down to their heart and to their soul? Right. That's a great question. Uh, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And so we have to be face to face. We have to be transparent and real. Um, don't try to run from the issues go straight to them and discuss them. Um, and we have to take responsibility for mistakes or anything that's wrong. So um, there, when we, when we want to really be face to face and do Bible studies back in the day, there used to be great Bible studies. That was ABCD. But like I said, they don't understand. Like I literally did a Bible study a couple years ago and they asked me is Genesis, the first book of the Bible in every Bible. They, they had no idea. They don't have a foundation. A lot of people um, aren't as religious as back in the day. They don't have a biblical literacy. So what we must do is meet them at the point of their need. Meet them at the point of their need. Jesus was great with this. He used scripture often. I, I would challenge you and challenge myself to do our homework and go read through Jesus's sermons and teachings. Instead of asking, what would Jesus do? We should ask, what did Jesus do? I love that Brother Terry Shock says that. So what did Jesus do? He used a lot of scriptures from the Old Testament. But as well, he's walking and he sees a fig and he sees the fig tree and he starts to discuss a parable and he's meeting them at the point of their need. He's talking to farmers. He's talking to shepherds. So he talks about sheep. He's talking to Peter and the fishermen. So he says, you're going to be fishers of men. And he's relating to where they're at. So put it in their context. And the only way to really know a Gen Z's context is to do time with them. We can't expect that they're a 50-year-old preacher that knows the word of God, that they're Baptist or Catholic. We don't know where they're at, whoever we're teaching a Bible study to. So we have to sit down with them at Starbucks or going out to eat with them or bring them to our house or wherever, text them and get to know where they're at, get to know their background. The common thing that I try not to say is your heavenly father will touch you because some some people have been abused and so that can offend them. Well, I, I have to learn that kind of stuff. I have to know my audience. Just like if I preach to youth, which I often do, I preach very differently than I do at a nursing home. Or if I preach to a new convert, I preach very differently than if I'm preaching about holiness to an established church. Or if I'm preaching a leadership thing, I teach differently than I do if I'm doing a children's class. Why? Because my audience is different. So in order to really reach Gen Z and teach Bible studies, it's more than just this is the information I have. 
Instead of teaching at them, we have to teach with them. We bring them over to the stove and we say, why do you think Samson messed up? Let's discuss this together. And instead of just giving them information and regurgitating this without them being able to place it in their life or put it into a compartment, they don't understand it. Work with them. And ultimately, it's about time. It's about meeting them at the point of their need. Yeah. I like what, uh, how we emphasize relationships. And, and in reality, Jesus Christ really built relationships throughout his what, yep. three and a half year ministry. He spent time with people, ate with sinners. He was accused of being a friend of sinners, which he was. And that's yep. a good goal. I love how Brother Gleason said, you know, that's really a good goal. How many people would say that you and I are a f- friend of sinners? And that's yeah, a that's really a wonderful point. thing. And, and, uh, do, and he mentioned stories. I don't know if you have gone through his follow to lead small group. Yeah, I have. But, uh, but I did just recently. And he mentioned about stories of how he knocked on people's door and he's just there being their friend, uh, raked their leaves and did something for them for months. And then that's the only time after eight months, that's the only time that this person said, so where's your church? He never mentioned anything about church, never invited him to church. But after eight months of just building relationship, he then decided, you know, where is your church? And now I, I guess that that person is a minister right now. So uh, my question is, do you have any uh, stories of like this, just building relationships, mm-hmm. one or two stories that could inspire us? In yeah, definitely. And relationships. Um, before I share it, I thought of a, a thing that you just mentioned about Brother Gleason spending eight months. And I think that's incredible that a pastor is still out there uh, winning souls and making disciples. If you know you did you ever drink out the water hose as a kid? Yes, yes. All the time. Like, you know, I'm, I'm immune to all diseases because I drank out of a water right. hose. <laughs> And sometimes when you wheel it out, there's a kink in it and you can turn up the pressure as much as you want. You can try to force as much water through as possible. But if there's a kink in the water hose, the water's not going to make it through. So I can run around and smack people with the word of God and quote a thousand scriptures to them and scream. But if there's a kink, if there's something preventing the word of God from getting to them, then I have to go to that kink. And the only way to do that is like what Brother Gleason did. There's a guy that um, I do a weekly Bible study with, and um, I'll be careful with some of the details. I do a weekly Bible study with. And he was baptized about six months ago. We meet every week. We've done it for about a year and a half. And I know the kink in his life. I know what's preventing him from getting even more involved in the presence of God and getting uh, involved in church and all this stuff. And so uh, the cool success story there, uh, his name is Kevin. So when Kevin first came, he used to be an indie wrestler. So like uh, not fake wrestling. He used to really like use barbed wire. He got, I saw a video of him getting smacked with someone's hand that's on fire. Uh, it is just crazy. And so he was a fighter. He's very angry. He didn't like touching people, didn't like to talk to people. Um, one day during service, actually someone patted him on the back. I was like, it's good to see you here. And he got mad and left because he was ready to fight them. And so Kevin, one day we started spending time together. And then uh, uh, during church one day before it started, he looked over and he saw a young guy that was sitting by himself. He said, do you know him? I said, yeah, it's his first time here. He said, do you think, you think I should go ask him to sit with me? And I was like, man, that'd be awesome. Sit with you and your family. Like, do that. That's, that's awesome. So he did that. So his name is Sean. So Sean came and sat with Kevin. 
And then before I realized it, Kevin was like, hey, me and DJ do a Bible study every week, and we just talk about the Word of God. Sometimes we shoot basketball. Sometimes we go out to eat. You, you need to come with us, Sean. So he invited Sean to this Bible study. And so that day we went to Chick – next, that next Tuesday we went to Chick-fil-A. And while we're sitting there, before we even get to start eating, Kevin's like, hey, let me tell you that why you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. And he's like running 100 miles per hour, regurgitating everything that I taught him over like eight months. And it's so awesome. Well, then all of a sudden, he's like, hey, let's go to the church. We'll show you the baptistry. So we go to the church, and he's like, see, the water's warm. This is the robes, and this is what they say when you get baptized. And, you know, I, DJ could tell you the scriptures, but, like, I just know you need to get baptized. My life has changed. I, I'm not as angry anymore. And so Sean was thinking about it. He's like, well, you know what? Let me think about it. So that next Sunday, I have some pictures on my phone. Um, I wish I knew I was going to tell this story. I would have, you know, showed it a little bit. I, I was worshiping and I looked over and I see Kevin and he has his arm around Sean. Now this is someone that eight months before that, when I first went to his house and met and met Kevin and, you know, we just built a relationship. We didn't talk about God. We didn't do a Bible study. And then a couple months down the road, we started actually doing a Bible study, not just eating. Uh, this fighter is now linked arms with this guy named Sean and he's crying. Now, this isn't Kevin's personality, and it's incredible. And Kevin looks nothing like me. We come from very different backgrounds. And so it's just time built that relationship. And that Sunday, Sean was baptized. And Sean's brother was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Because somebody, and it's not that I had anything special. It wasn't a sermon. It was time. And I just, we talked to Kevin and he said, man, from the word of God. And we, we started uh, into his marvelous light at one point and we finished it. And then we started exploring God's word. And we, we, then we stopped it and we started doing, let's read five chapters a week of the Bible together. And then let's discuss you know, what questions you have. And we just changed it up. And I met him at the point of his need. And now Kevin is always looking for people to get baptized. Kevin wow. almost called off of work about a month ago because I told him someone was coming to church to get baptized and he wanted to to be there just just to witness and to pray with people so i think that's one of um one success story of what what time really does it's just an investment and because i have time because i have that relationship i can speak into his life um i'm not a stranger to him he knows my voice and so i can speak into his life one thing that when um god opens the door for me to pastor i want to smell like the sheep right a, a shepherd should always smell like a sheep because he's around them and so um just like what Brother Gleason did, that's that's really what will happen. And I love seeing uh, evangelist Chris Green. He goes on live on Instagram sometime, and he's at skate parks and at ballparks, and he's hanging out with young kids, and he's bringing them to church because it's time. Gen Z wants time. They have so much people and so much connections on the phone. Right. But when someone puts the phone away, they're not worried about anything else, and they make eye contact with that Gen Zer, and they're talking to them. What's, what's really going on? And they're opening up. And it's not just, hey, let me get you to do A, B, C, D. Oh, man, like, you know, your, your, your dad hurt you? Well, Psalms 24, 7, it says, when your mother and father forsake you, your heavenly father will take you up. He'll take care of you. Joshua 1, 5, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so you can go to the word of God and tell them great stories and scriptures that will help them. And that's really what making a disciple is. It's spending time with them. Jesus did that. He walked with them talked with them when they were when they were taking up offering he sat there and taught a lesson on pharisees and a woman with two widow mites and we preach that all the time why when when they're sitting there and there's a woman with the issue of blood and she's coming to to jesus he he's doing life with them and through doing life he discipled them wow 
That's wonderful. I like what you said. Jen said once time. And I think that's one of the greatest thing that we can invest in these people that we are trying to reach. Probably not just in this generation too. Everybody wants time. Everybody wants to be uh, be heard. And, and that's just a wonderful thing. And Jesus Christ is really the perfect example of this disciple maker. And I know I didn't ask you this, but do you have anything else you want to add about what should the church do to overcome the challenges and anything uh, that you would like to add to that? Yeah, um, I would say just like in the Old Testament, when the Ark of the Covenant was taken from the Israelites and they uh, it was taken to the Temple of Dagon and they were so distraught because they lost the presence of God, they put God in a box. And now you can, there's balancing principles. Like there is, there is blessings of the box and boundaries. I'm not saying that, but it can't be us for no more. It can't be we're in church and we can find God to the box of the church. We have to go out and make disciples. That's our mandate. See, uh, um, um, a month ago, I preached a youth weekend in uh, Brother BB's church in South Carolina. If, if I got sick or I couldn't make it, there's amazing preachers that could have preached that. Way better than me. Way better than me. Brother Victor Jackson, they could have brought him out, and he would have just done incredible through God using him. He would have been a vessel for the power of God to be manifested. But Brother Victor Jackson doesn't know Kevin. Correct. He doesn't, he doesn't live down the street from Kevin. So instead of just pulpits, instead of just Sunday services, we must go out to the community. There's a Tim out of Chick-fil-A down the street. There's a Connie works at the Chick-fil-A down the street. And so what I would, what I would challenge myself and look in the mirror first, before I say to anybody else as well, say to everybody else, go out and make disciples. And it doesn't always happen in the church. That's a big part, Sunday centric, but we also must do it's Monday. It's Thursday. And sometimes it's hard and it takes time, but it's literally a child. It's a babe in Christ. And so you've got to nurture them and care for them and grow them up in the admin, admonition of Jesus Christ. So that would be my, uh, my advice is to go out and do it like Brother Gleason's follow the lead. You have to do life with them. We have to get outside the church and we got to go out there and do life with people. That's the way we're going to disciple them. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, this is just one of the last questions I would like to ask some of the practical stuff. Uh, resources. What What are the resources would you recommend about reaching Jen said? What is Jen said? Please. So it's a really cheap book. Um, and I would suggest everybody get it. I think it's like the cheapest I've seen it uh, on Amazon is like $8. Uh, you can do it like at a, at a Goodwill and you might be able to find it if you, I think you can find it at a Goodwill and you might get it for $2. It's called the Bible. Um, every answer that we need is found in this first and foremost. If we just do what Jesus did, love people, spend time with people, meet people at the point of their needs. Everything else comes from this ultimately. So every other resource that I have, if we don't start here, then, then everything else is just our tools and we're not using the spirit and the word of God. But another great book is brother David K. Bernard's apostolic identity in a postmodern world. Um, this is a great read. It's kind of from um, In Search of Holiness, that kind of concept, and it just discusses great insights and principles. So this is a great read uh, that I would suggest, and these are all in order, Bible, that one. And then another one is Gen Z Goes to College by uh, Megan Grace and Corey C. Miller. And so uh, it's just a great, and some of the sentences I said today kind of I got from 
that idea, and it has just a gen- generation Z goes to college. It's a great book. Um, if, if we're going to play basketball and we're going to try to beat a team, we got to watch game film on that other team. We have to know who we're playing against. So if we're going to reach the world, we have to get to know them. And right. then uh, one last book from Barna, Gen Z, The Culture, Beliefs, and Motivation Shaping the Next Generation. Gen Z by Barna. Uh, that's also a great book. It has uh, statistics on team views of themselves, comparable data with older generations, um, and all kind of other great stuff. So learning who they are uh, will definitely help our approach. I shoot, um, you know, I don't know if everyone's into hunting, so I don't mean to offend, but if I'm going to shoot a hog, I'm going to use a different thing than a deer. Uh, And, you know, so you have to know kind of your target. Different fishing lures look differently from a bass to a trout. I have to pull it differently. Sometimes I have to let the uh, hook set. Sometimes I have to set the hook. So uh, you have to be aware of differences. Right. Thank you, uh, Brother DJ O'Hill. And uh, just just one last question, and this is more okay. practical. We are talking about just go out there, make disciples. If there's one practical step that you want all the listeners who are listening right now to do right after this podcast, what would that one step they would like uh, you would like them to see do? in uh, reaching this generation, just like one step. Reevaluate your calendar. If you're spending, you only have so many hours in a week. If you're spending all your hours on yourself or in reach or things that don't matter and not about the kingdom, then you're not going to make a disciple. If you can't, if you can't emotionally, mentally, uh, with your energy, spend one day a week with somebody that you're trying to turn from a sinner to a friend, to a friend, to a disciple, then really we have to reevaluate our calendar. We have to get busy about the Lord's work. Wow. So I would say reevaluate your calendar and what can you do to fit in, not just a Bible study, but making a disciple so that someone can follow you as you follow Christ. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for your time, brother DJ Hill. And I appreciate all your insights into this topic that we were discussing. And as we end this interview, I would just like to ask you to pray for our listeners. Would you yes, please? Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesus, so much for an opportunity to just discuss biblical principles about how to reach the next generation. I pray that we do all the work that we can do to get busy and diligent about learning Generation Z and learning biblical principles of how to reach them, that we can ultimately go after your model of spending time with people, of loving people, at meeting people at the point of their need, at answering the whys and taking them along with the learning process rather than just teaching at them. I pray that the listeners can be, Lord God, empowered and filled with courage and a boldness to proclaim your word, that they're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation. God, for the world, that you are still the answer for the world today. So I pray with that boldness that we can go out and reach the world and that we can reevaluate our calendar, reevaluate how we're living. If we're doing anything, any weight, not just a sin that can slow us down from running after you, from changing our world, from reaching people and making disciples and help us to look at that mirror and reevaluate. And let us not look at the knowledge that we don't have, but let us just tell people what we do know, because that's what we're really called to do is to be a witness of what we've seen and what we heard, because you've given us the power. We have all the anointing that we need. We don't need a new anointing. We don't need anything else. We have your spirit inside of us to help change lives, to lead people to a saving relationship with you and develop them into fully devoted followers of you. So I pray that we get the urgency that you are coming back. That we don't, we don't just love, Lord God, that we get to go to heaven one day, but we love heaven more than earth. 
not just more than hell, but we love heaven more than earth. And we chase after eternity and after spending eternity with you, with everything we have. I pray that we get that urgency for eternity in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time again. And congratulations on your graduation tomorrow. Thank you so much. And great job doing this. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for letting me be a part. God bless you. God bless you.